It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Rave. Yeah, you're listening to a Friday Rave here on Community Radio 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial if you're in Melbourne. And if you're not in Melbourne, through 3CR Digital, well, even if you are in Melbourne, through 3CR Digital, um, all the W's at 3cr.org.au, maybe through your favourite podcast client, Friday Rave is now podcast, um, or maybe through your state-of-the-art surveillance helicopter in the skies above Smith Street. However you're listening in these weird times, I hope you're having as good a day as possible because they are strange times indeed and today I'm joined in the virtual studio and by today I've got to say it's actually Wednesday so if something happens in the next couple of days as is my normal disclaimer that we're not responding to this is why it's actually Wednesday morning here in the virtual studio where I'm joined by someone who's been having a look at what's been going on during strange times and all times are strange times actually um, author, broadcaster, award-winning journalist former producer at Four Corners, and so many bows to his quiver, or I'd better stop there and just introduce him into the virtual studio. Welcome to 3CR, Peter, Peter Crono. Hey, Jacob, how are you going? Okay, mate, how are you? You're coping well in these strange times? Uh, yeah, yeah, look, I, I get out in the sunlight occasionally just to uh, get my vitamin D, but uh, we're huckered down here in Sydney under oh. this ongoing COVID fuck-up that's occurred. Yeah. So, um yeah, going fine. Gives me plenty of time to do some research. And yeah, and it's it's a it's a lot of time to think. Is yeah. um is what's what's getting to me. Sometimes, sometimes maybe we think too much, but it gives us time for thinking and reflection. Yep, that's true. But um, look, today's the as I said, Wednesday, the first of September, and a fairly significant date in Australian history, and which has immediate well, ramifications that are. Um, playing on what's going on in Australia at the moment. And that was the the signing of the ANZUS Treaty in 1951. Now, I remember that's 70 years. I remember 50 years after it, 20 years ago, more or less, in the days following um, 11 September 2001, John Howard announced he was invoking the ANZUS Treaty and sending the HMAS Canimbla um, to Afghanistan, and I remember at the time thinking that we've got a Prime Minister invoking a Pacific Area Treaty to consult by sending an amphibious supply ship to a landlocked country off the Indian Ocean. Everything is up for grabs in this latest military adventure, and um, and I think we've seen that it is all up for grabs. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I guess events in the recent uh, couple of weeks... Um, have really brought Afghanistan to the forefront. But but right from the beginning, it was never about Afghanistan. I mean, it could have been anywhere, Stan. Yeah. Um, I mean, most Americans wouldn't have even been able to find it on a map. And still uh, can't. <laughs> True. I think that, uh, unfortunately, George Bush had his mind set on, on an invasion and... Um, it would have, been, would have been a really good step if he had accepted the Taliban government's offer of handing over Osama bin Laden for a trial in a third country. Um, those those offers were 
continuing for for like a week or two, and unfortunately, none of the the occasions where the Taliban made the offer did the Americans accept it. Um, the, the Taliban obviously wanted conditions; they wanted you know to choose the country, they wanted to see some evidence, but they were offering to hand over bin Laden and all of the senior Al Qaeda. So a war wasn't necessary. No. And that's disappeared down the memory hole, and uh, obviously we invaded to get. Bin Laden. So, um, it's Is a that crazy why I forgot, world. I forgot why we were in Afghanistan again. I, yeah, it's it's so hard to keep track. Yeah, well, it was the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and I think, in some ways, you can't really talk about the um, about Afghanistan without talking about it, Iraq because it was all part of the it was all part of the same war, and um, hmm. they two 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 bits of two bits of bread, I think, on either side of the meat of Iran is part of the equation. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely a... Um, the inv- invocation of the ANZUS Treaty back then, which I think was the first time Australia had uh, formally um, invoked it, mm. um, uh, was, was a stretch because, as you know, it was a, it was a, a treaty brought in just after World War Two. Um, after the defeat of the imperial Japanese military, mm-hmm. um, Australia was nervous about Japan rearming because Japan was being set up as an anti-communist bastion by the US following yeah. World War Two, and and Australia was fearful that uh, we were going to get ignored and, and left in the wake. Um, so mm, that just signed up. Yeah, and, and the underlying and, racism over that at the Yellow Peril too, that our great and powerful friend was about to enter an agreement with Japan. Well, look, Australia's always been nervous about its position in the world because it's, it's you know, um, anchored um, not, not in the middle of the Atlantic, which is, you know, what, it, what the mainstream media coverage of the world makes it look like, but we actually are, you know, located in the, in the southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, obviously we should be getting on with our neighbours and uh, developing those sort of um, multilateral agreements and cooperation. However, for all sorts of historical, colonial, uh, military reasons, um, we've decided that we need the American nuclear umbrella. The Americans have given that nuclear umbrella to other countries, not just to Australia, but it's given it to... Well, to Japan, North Korea, Taiwan, all, they're all countries that at various times wanted their own nuclear weapons. Yeah. It, so it'll almost it, it'll almost be a shorter list to um to to list the countries that don't have the American nuclear umbrella. Well, look honestly, um, you only need an umbrella when it's raining. I mean, just I mean, you, you say this is you know twenty twenty one is the anniversary of the um the ANZUS Treaty, but it's also the year that the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons entered into force back in January. Um, It's now in force, and um, unfortunately a few countries, including Australia, um, have been reluctant to to sign it. Mm. And and you wonder why, you know, we've never had nukes, why do we need to not sort of join the rest of the world and, and say the same? Yeah, well, we um, tried to get them at one step, at one point. We did. We, had, we, we, we had did. A, yep. Mm-hmm. The um, someone has said that uh, I think it's um, Richard Tanter wrote that um, that th- this treaty is really a revolt by the vast majority of nations on the world against the nuclear states. 
it's it's a decision by you know hundred whatever number of, of countries to to say we do not want your nuclear weapons, and um, that is an amazing step for the world, the, the majority of nations of the world, to do. The invocation of ANZUS uh, only once formally. It's, it's also been, the, the alliance has also been invoked a couple of times previously. John Howard also had a go earlier with uh, East Timor. It wanted boots on the ground in 1999. Mm. And the Americans, after initially making uh, suggestions of peacekeepers, the Americans in the end said no. It, it brings back um, the words of General MacArthur when he came to Australia during World War Two, because certainly my parents' generation you know, like to cite these sort of historical uh, references of, um, you know, being saved by the Americans from Japan. And, um, and you know, there's an element, a big element of uh, truth in that. However, the motivation is the thing that I'm more interested in. And I'll just read the couple of words mm-hmm. that MacArthur said in, the, in a secret meeting of the War Cabinet, you know, since been released. Um, he said that the interest in Australia is not um, from... Uh, any particular ties between the people of the two nations. Um, he said that the interest of Australia was, quote, from the strategical aspect of the utility of Australia as a base. So mm-hmm. we were there for one purpose. We, the Americans came here for one purpose. Sure, you know, Australia would benefit by the defeat of the Japanese, but, I mean, that was sort of a side issue. And um, Australia served as a base, and it's served as that ever since. And, and, um, and particularly I'll... now with China um, uh, being put up as the next um, selected enemy, yeah. um, you know, our role again uh, as a base um, comes again to the fore. So and, and you said, much has changed. You said earlier that um, Australia should be entering into alliances and agreements and everything like that with people in the region. And... Um, I don't think it's exactly what you're referring to, but I think we are at the moment. We have a situation at the moment where we're witnessing the largest ever, to my reckoning, build-up of firepower in the areas around the South China Sea, or as I sometimes call it, the West American Sea, um, and Australia's taking part in that. So much so, in fact, that um, while the evacuation, running away from whatever you want to call it, um, situation was occurring in Afghanistan, the Chief of Australia's Defence Forces wasn't on deck overseeing anything but was in Hawaii, probably, um, what's the word, taking the cue from our Prime Minister, but in Hawaii when things get hot, um, but he was in Hawaii meeting with um, US and other Defence Force officials about potential conflict with China and um, securing peace and prosperity in, um, what do they call it now, the Asia-Pacific region's got a, got a new... Indo-Pacific. Indo-Pacific region. Um, mm. Yeah, so we are actually forming alliances with other, other nations in the region and um, it seems to be doing it with a, with a single-minded focus of containing China. Yeah, look, it has... Uh... Australia is kidding itself if it doesn't think that we're headed towards some sort of potential conflict with China. Nobody expects a nuclear war to happen, but then we don't expect it. No. It, it may, it may be a, a sad consequence. Gosh, um, 
but I mean, the preparations are not being made for nothing. Um, the agreements with, you know, countries like India and Japan, you know, involvement in the Quad, they're, they're agreements that are meant to enhance America's efforts against against uh, uh, you know China, and it's all. Yeah, I, I think. What's happening in Australia is a really good example. Yeah, we're sending up ships occasionally, maybe an Orion aircraft, you know, to the South China Sea, and that is dangerous, let me tell you, because uh, uh, some sort of conflict between a Chinese ship and an Australian ship could be a pretext for America to do more. And it could be also some sort of minor proxy war between the two between the two superpowers. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd expect. It'd be just an exchange. Uh, a, a brief exchange that that is limited, but bloody hell! I mean, you're playing here. This is this is not Afghanistan, you know. This is not uh, Iraq. This is a nuclear armed uh, and extraordinarily powerful and capable country. And if we're taking them on militarily for no good reason, um, we're in for a, a, a huge problem. Now, the preparations being made in Australia are astounding, I, you know. And you get this information by dribble through, you know, media reports, the ABC reports, this sort of stuff, often um, other other outlets reported. Um, I think uh, about a year ago, or a bit more, um, the Australian newspaper reported, well, everyone did, but Australian ran big on it, that uh, Tyndall Air Base in the Northern Territory was going to be set up, ready to receive and be a station point for, for US B-52 long-range bombers. Mm. Now... I don't remember that being debated in Parliament. Maybe, you know, I wasn't listening to Parliament that day. But, um, uh, that, that's a, that's a, that's a huge step for Australia to be making. You know, we're, we're making, uh, spending, you know, something upward of a billion dollars in refurbishing Tyndall Base. Yeah. Um, put, putting in refueling capability for the B-52s, obviously armament storage. And that's part of what I, I, I noticed, um, looking through and keeping up to date with things as I try to do, that the Americans have this concept, or I shouldn't say the Americans, the US has this concept called Agile Combat Employment. Yeah, that's right. It's ACE. 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 Mm. And now all all of a sudden Darwin (laughs) is appearing on the list of ACE bases. Yeah, we we are, Australia, as an ACE base. Yeah. The US Air Force has announced... Uh, through you know public public releases and, and things um, that that Darwin is now to be treated by the United States Air Force as a as an Air Force base yeah. as a as an ace base agile combat employment base and the what the, what the US is doing is preparing a um, uh, a range of uh, airports uh, airfields around the the China Sea and associated area, which spreads the targets, and, and in fact, the um, the Americans uh, Defense Department said that the aim of setting up these agile combat employment air bases in places like Darwin yeah. is to quote unquote complicate China's bombardment. <laughs> now, I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not I sure. shouldn't laugh, Peter, but I'm not sure whether we have debated volunteering Darwin uh, to help complicate China's bombardment if and when a, a conflict with China breaks out. Yeah. 
Um, and, and to me, that's and, a headline story, but it doesn't appear in any of our mainstream media. In, in fact, no. the, the, where I, where one of the um, news sources I follow for this for this issue is Forbes in, yep. in, in in the US, and there was an article there last year about how um, how they said they'd study every single piece of concrete, every single piece of concrete across the Indo Pacific. Looking to find new ways to forward deploy different types. Rah, rah, rah. Now they're surveying every single piece of concrete up and down the east coast of Australia or on Australia's territories. Um, you know, we we had the situation where um, the refugees were taken off Manus Island finally. And mm-hmm. only to find that Australian government, the US government, were talking about reopening a a military base on at um yeah on the building naval base at Manus, amazing at, yeah uh, and, and obviously also Stirling, you know, is, yeah. is uh, seen as a base port. I mean, recently they've had um, nuclear powered um, submarines visiting there. Remember, yeah. remember the good old days when uh, uh, the left would protest against the visit of nuclear powered ships. I've still got the scars. <laughs> well, these, these just slip in and out of Australia now with hardly a, a blink of an eye. No one, no one questions it anymore. And in fact, yeah. it, it used to be you look at the um, the the ANSTO reports on the safety procedures um, for the visits of nuclear powered ships, and they haven't been updated for years. And precisely because no one's raising um, raising concerns about them anymore. And maybe that's something I should put my head to do in getting onto one of our friendly parliamentarians will get to question. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I think that's, um, uh, there's other things going on as well. And, you know, really rapidly um, we're moving ahead in, into space war, for example. And that's, um, that's where I want to get to because it's not it's, just Austra- yeah. Australian troops are boots on the ground, as you put it, and, you know, apart from the fact that a lot of them are shot in, Blundstone boots from Tassie, or they're probably made in China these days, and they're not where Australia is strategically important any longer to the United States. It's about no, the no. Space. Well, that's just the flag waving, as you know. It's about Jacob, the space war. That's just, that just allows um, American press releases to include Australia in the list of countries that support them. But yeah. clearly, the real effort that goes in is through the bases here, and there's a there's now a new um, anti-satellite warfare telescope. Uh, that's been located in Western Australia at Northwest Cape, I think, and it's it's designed to assist the destruction of adversaries' satellites you know, in in warfare. There's um, there's been a, um, a huge, the biggest period of expansion ever at Pine Gap um, over the past well, almost eighty months. Now there's been another one, two, three, four. Uh, satellite dishes being built. Now that's, that's pretty rapid rate of, uh, increase. It's, it's the most, it's the fastest period of expansion ever. Yes. And what they're doing is building a series of, um, and people can see it on Google Maps, you know, um, mm. uh, or Google Earth. And you can see on the western boundary, they're building another three huge white domes. Um, as well, there's one, a bigger one being built to the north, and, and once these are built, that'll that'll make it forty-one. I think the latest count is of um, satellite uh, uh, 
dishes um, in, in Pine Gap. And the reason these three are being built is very significant because yeah. it appears that they're connected to the uh, the detection of infrared uh, by a series of low orbiting satellites. Um, some a new generation satellites have recently been launched. There's um, the the reason infrared is important is because it detects missile uh, launches and um, picks, picks up the heat of the trail. Picks up the heat signature, and obviously China knows that you know in its boost phase of launching missiles, you've got to you know do certain things to disguise uh, the sort of missile it is and the direction and the range and you know all that sort of thing. This is what uh, Pine Gap is helping the Americans do, to be able to very specifically pinpoint which missiles have been fired mm-hmm. and, and therefore allows America to know which ones have not been fired. That yeah. allows uh, the targeting uh, in a second round of, of missile launches. It, it takes out China's ability to respond. And, and China has said, and the Chinese news agency a couple of months ago, I think it now, it warned Australia about fo- about following the US into a conflict with China and said it was prepared to take to take on Ameri- or US strategic interests within Australia with conventional weapons, almost like they were laying down the ground rules, saying, "Don't worry, we're not going to nuke anything." Yeah, um, well, the um, even the Australian Defence Department concedes that. Um, that Australia is a target of China. In in a 2012 defence review, um, it stated that um, the Defence Department's thinking that in a, a conflict between China and the United States, China would attempt to destroy Pine Gap. Yeah. Now, the destruction of Pine Gap has got a lot of implications, it's not only to the people of Alice Springs, <laughs> but uh, uh, it also means that the escalation of a conflict is going out of control. Yeah. Um, and that would have implications for the United States as well because while I think they could um, they could bear to have other Australian assets um, taken out, they can't afford to lose Pine Gap. No, that's right. That's right, Jacob. Pine Gap, along with Menworth Hill in the UK, are, are the two primary... Um, uh, receiving stations mm. for uh, geolocated satellites. You're 36,000 k's above the ground, they cover virtually the entire Earth's surface, yeah. surface. And they can pick up mobile phones, microwave transmissions, uh, you name it, uh, they scoop it up, um, as, as well as satellite-to-satellite communications of adversaries and friends. Um, that these two, Menwith and Pine Gap are the two most important, and um, and yeah. to lose, you know, to have that threat in, in a Defence Department document acknowledging that China would destroy it, really ramps up um, the threat that that, that Australian defence sees in China. The, um, uh, the the destruction of Pine Gap has been on the list of various nations. It used to be in the eighties. There was a document that showed that uh, Russia had targeted it as a potential um, location to take yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but, but now um, the conflict with China is not theoretical. It's moving into the realms of uh, potentially uh, happening. 
So, well, it's been spoken, as I say, it's been spo- it's actually been spoken about um, taking out US interests or um, within Australia. They don't spend money on Pine Gap or all these other, you know, the, the telescope at Northwest Cape or all these other facilities, the, the harbour expansion, the Tyndall expansion, the, mm. the, the Delaware, um, you know, missile ra- uh, uh, armaments practising range, Swan Island, Manus. They're not spending all this money in Australia, and mainly it's Australian money now, yeah. but they're not spending this money for, for no good purpose. The aim is to be ready for the conflict with China. And you can kind of see the the envelope of timing that they've got in their mind by the time it takes to construct these facilities. You know, we're looking at Pine Gap. We've got maybe another uh, year until they're completed, the construction, and probably a little while after that before they're fully operational. So you can be rest assured that... um, that, uh, the war's not going to happen with China in that sort of time frame. I mean, it's that, it's that planned and strategic as you, as you, as you can see from the preparations being made. The Tyndall base is not yet ready yes. to be a base for B-52s. Yeah. I mean, well, these preparations are being made now. Yeah. So <laughs> really the, uh, it's not just Pine, it's not just Pine Gap and Northwest Cape, of course. Um, there are, a number of facilities around Australia, all the DS, or used to be called DSD, now it's ASD um, bases dotted around the country, in Sydney, in Melbourne. Um, We've got, of course, Kojarima in Geraldton, just outside of Geraldton in Western Australia. Yeah, military military communications. Military communications that that can't... um, And because the military... Is dependent. It is so high tech these days. As we say, it's no longer about boots on the ground. Um, that every one of these communication stations is vital to um, the ability of the United States to wage war anywhere around the planet. And as I was, as you were saying that about Pine Gap, I just brought up the map of Pine Gap on Google Earth. And, <laughs> right. And and it is. You can see it's um. There's yeah. new, new construction going along there on the, on, on the western end, and I I heard, well, and I I should follow this up, but some um, some blackfellow mates of mine who are up in the northern territory, up just north of Alice Springs, there's another base just north of Alice Springs. It was a Jindalee over the horizon base test base. No. Yep. And yep. Um, they tell me that um, there's a lot more activity happening up there. In recent yeah. months, that I just haven't been able to follow up on what's going on there because the last thing I want to do is ask people to drive in and take photos and let me yeah, know. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> no, Google Earth is really handy, but also a lot of other satellite uh, companies are pretty handy. The Google Earth images are about a year old now. Yeah. So you can see on the western perimeter there's three circles um, sort of dug into the ground in the dirt, and, and two of those now have huge white radar dishes, you know, covered in the white uh, plastic to keep yeah. the dust and heat off them. Two of them are already constructed. The third one's on the way. Um, and it's, it's, and going, it's going, going through steam ahead. I mean, one of the images, potential, and you can scroll um, through on various uh, satellite uh, companies' sites and look at images day by day virtually. Yeah. And some days I've counted up to 70 contractors' vehicles parked in the uh, 
in the public car park outside the, 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 the Pine Gap boundary. So I don't remember this being a headline in any of the mainstream media, and that's a real shame because we're going to war um, potentially, and we're doing it without the permission of the Australian people. I mean, it's just this week the Labor Party uh, sided with the Liberal Party to prevent a Greens initiative to have any decision to send Australian uh, troops to a war yeah. to be discussed yes. in the Australian Parliament. The War, now, power, was war Powers Amendment. Yeah, yeah, it was stopped by, by, by Labor and the Liberals uh, uniting against the Greens. Mm. And um, we're one of the few, you know, sensible nations of the world that doesn't do that. Even the, even the British and the Americans. Yeah, I was going to say, not just sensible nations, even the United States <laughs> needs, needs, needs to debate whether or not it's going to go yeah. into war. Yeah, it was, we, we're happy just to do it by rubber stamp. Um, if, if the executive agrees, then off we go. Right. Okay. Well, we're running out, running out of time, Peter. But um, the last thing I want to do before before we have to um, before we fill up our half hour is to mention that you've got a new book coming out raising some of these issues. Yeah, yeah, I have, Jacob. Um, it's um, it's nearing completion, shall we say? I mean, uh, you know, a couple of months and it, it should be done. But uh, basically, it's a it's a look at Australia's role uh, in these global wars. It's looking at the bases. It's looking at uh, our relationship with you know the largest, most powerful imperial power the world has seen. You know, really, we're a part of it. Um, we're going to be a part of it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So we should know about it. There should be more transparency. We look forward to it. Thanks again for joining us on Three CR. Thanks for the opportunity, Jacob. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.